Coming up on today's message with Pastor John. You, you walked up the mountain and you worshiped. Now you've got to walk back down the mountain and do some work. <laughs> you, you, you walked up the mountain and you done shouted and prayed and cried and maybe even spoke in tongues and seen some stuff happen. But what happens after the revival is over? They can't stay on the mountain forever. They have to come down and continue to spread the gospel. Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, Today's message is going to come from the gospel according to Matthew, the 17th chapter going to be reading verses 1 through 9. Again, that is Matthew, the 17th chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9. There are multiple translations of the word. Uh, Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, Talking with Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me, please. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is great and greatly to be praised. We love you, we honor you, we bless your holy name, and we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again in your word. Here I am but your humble servant, Lord God, doing what you have called me to do. Hide me behind your cross so that people don't see me, but they see Jesus. Let every word that I speak and thought that I think be acceptable in your sight. Allow your Holy Spirit to do its work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, For the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about unclimbed mountains. 
unclimbed mountains. Uh, Robert Frost wrote a poem called The Mountain. And in the poem, there are two people conversing at the bottom of a mountain. One person wants to climb the mountain and the other person keeps telling him why he should not climb the mountain. Oh, don't climb on this side, it's too rough. Uh, don't climb on that side, nobody climbs on that side. Don't climb this way, don't go that way, on and on, etc., etc. A laundry list of reasons to hold off and wait until another time to climb it. But the sad part about the poem is the person that is telling the other person in the poem not to climb the mountain and all the reasons why it won't work has never actually climbed the mountain themselves. A significant line in the poem says, it doesn't seem so much to climb a mountain you've worked around the foot of all your life. All that man knew about that mountain was secondhand information because he had never actually done it himself. Had all the information about why you can't do something because they had never done it before themselves. We can chastise the man, but I would venture to say that that is how many of our lives are lived. We always have opinions about things we would never be able to do or have never tried to do. Everybody's an expert on businesses and government and health and science and investing. Everybody knows everything, but in reality, they're talking about things they've never actually experienced firsthand or have had minimal experience for it. And that is how many of us live our lives, especially when it comes to the knowledge of God. Does what we know about God depend on hearsay of others? Or does it find its grounding when we've experienced it firsthand? If someone were to stop any of us and ask us what it's like to have a mountaintop experience, would we be able to share anything meaningful or would we be holding on to the traditions of people long ago? I do not hate tradition. I do not want anybody to think I hate tradition. I just point out that a lot of times we have a lot of conversation about things we've never actually experienced ourselves. So there are mountains that we have not climbed. Now, in this text, we see somebody actually climb a mountain. We see an extraordinary event on top of the mountain. Uh, this is where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to witness Jesus' transfiguration. It's Transfiguration Sunday. Transfiguration is literally a metamorphosis. This is a start of a new era for Jesus Christ and his mission. I read chapter 17 verses 1 through 9 for you, but in previous chapters, Jesus would do amazing things. He would conduct miracles. He would teach in the synagogue. And each time people would ask, 
Who is this guy? But in Matthew chapter 17, we learn exactly who he is when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. Watch the text now. Uh, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Uh, if you spend any time in Sunday school or even if you've heard anything about it, you know that Jesus had 12 disciples. But to go up the mountain, he only took Peter, James, and John. Jesus did not take all 12 disciples up the mountain. Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Sometimes in the text when you read the Bible, uh, Jesus would take all 12 disciples somewhere. Other times he would take more than 12 disciples, as many as 70 or 100 or more. He would take 100 people or more to these places. And then other times he only took Peter, James, and John. And other times he'd go by himself. Everyone is not entitled to every part of your life. Everybody does not need to be involved in everything you've got going on. Sometimes you need to tighten your circle. And sometimes you need to eliminate everybody from your circle. If Jesus did it and we're supposed to be like Jesus, we should understand that everything is not for everybody. And so Jesus takes Peter, James and John up this mountain and they witness a conversation let the church say conversation. Put conversation in the comment section. Jesus was transfigured. Jesus was changed before Peter, James, and John's eyes. They saw him talking and having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. This was not a normal conversation. This was not an ordinary conversation, my brothers and sisters. It was a conversation about Jesus' departure. It's a conversation about what had to be accomplished in Jerusalem. Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, hearing them discuss something profound? That can be a humbling and awe-inspiring experience. And that must have been like that for the disciples. And, you know, I like what Peter says when he sees Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Peter wants to put something down. He says in the text, Lord, it, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'll put up three tabernacles. I'll put up three altars. I'll put up three, build three things to remind us of what happened here. Why is that important to you, pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's important to me because Peter wants to worship. Peter has experienced the presence of God and Peter wants to worship. Peter, who still cusses a little bit. 
Now, I'm, I'm in the book. I'm in the book. Peter had a cussing problem. Peter had an anger problem. Peter was willing to fight a little faster than the average person. Uh, Peter was the one that when the, the, the soldiers came later to try to take Jesus, he was the one that had that thing on him and cut one of the Roman soldiers' ears off. But when Peter was in the presence of God, Peter worshipped. Peter worshipped. And so if there is a chance for somebody like Peter, that means there's a chance for somebody like me. If Peter had the sense to worship, I can have the sense to worship. If Peter's worship will be honored, my worship will be honored. I'll be able to have a little talk with Jesus. I'll be able to tell him all about my problems. I know that he'll hear the faintest cry and answer by and by. And hear the little fire turning and the prayer will turning and know that the fire is burning. But just a little talk with Jesus. Jesus will make it all right. And so we too must be willing to engage in conversations. We too must be willing to engage in conversations with God and with those he sends to speak to us. We got to be willing to listen and obey just like Peter, James, and John were when they heard the voice of the God calling from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. And so when we listen to God, he will guide us and give us the wisdom to accomplish the tasks he has set before us. So there was conversation. And, and not only was there conversation, there was confirmation. Let the church say confirmation. Put confirmation in the comments. So we, we learn also about confirmation from God, Moses, and Elijah being there. Uh, Matthew was writing to a church. When he was writing the book of Matthew, he was writing to a traditional church in a changing city. The city around the church had grown, and there were all kind of people coming in from out of town and settling. Uh, uh, but the church was trying to find its identity. And so the reason Matthew makes sure to include uh, Moses and Elijah in the conversation is to uh, uh, establish credibility. So God sent Moses and Elijah to confirm Jesus' authority and divine nature because you have Moses, and what is Moses known for? He wrote the law. And you have Elijah. What is Elijah uh, known for? He's the greatest of the prophets. And so while Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets, they both pointed to Jesus. And, and Jesus was fulfilling their prophecies. It was confirmation that Jesus was not just a teacher and a prophet, but he was also God's son. And so as we walk through life, we, we too need confirmation from God. We got to know that we're on the right path and doing what God has called us to do. We can find confirmation in the word of God and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And when we seek God with all our hearts, he will confirm his will for our lives. And so... We have the conversation, and we got the confirmation. 
The next thing was the command. Let the church say command. Put command in the comments. We talk about the commands from Jesus. So all of this has happened. They've gone up the mountain. They've seen the transfiguration. They've worshipped. And now they're coming down the mountain and they get a command from Jesus. Jesus and Peter, James, and John descended from the mountain and Jesus commanded them not to tell anybody about what they have witnessed until he has been raised from the dead. Uh Uh-oh. Do not say anything until I've been raised from the dead. Jesus knew what he was walking into, and now he's telling the disciples not only what he's walking into, but what they're going to have to walk to as well. This command is to protect Jesus' ministry and ensure that the people would come to know him on their own without being swayed by something miraculous. It's good for the miraculous to come, but but you also have to develop your own relationship. And so Jesus gave the disciples a command. We too have commands. Uh, We are called in Matthew 28 to go into the world and baptize people and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to love one another. We are called to serve one another and to follow Jesus' example of humility and obedience. And when we obey these commands, we will see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You see that the transfiguration of Jesus was the mark of a new era in Jesus' ministry and is a mark of a new era in Christianity as a whole. It was a moment that demonstrated Jesus' divine nature and confirmed his authority. But it was also a moment that the disciples had to be willing to do the work. Ha, ha, you, you walked up the mountain and you worshiped. Now you've got to walk back down the mountain and do some work. <laughs> you, you, you walked up the mountain and you done shouted and prayed and cried and maybe even spoke in tongues and seen some stuff happen. But what happens after the revival is over? They can't stay on the mountain forever. They have to come down and continue to spread the gospel. Likewise, when we have a mountaintop experience with God, we can't sit around doing nothing. After the worship, we've got to start the work. Uh, We can come down the mountain, and when we come down the mountain, we've got to keep praying. We've got to read the Bible. We've got to fast. We've got to do the work of the work. We've got to invite people to church. We've got to invite people back to church. And we can climb our own mountains. We we don't need any equipment to climb the mountain. We don't need fancy equipment to do it. We can take it one step at a time. All we got to do is walk slowly and steadily up the side of the mountain, looming over us all our lives. We don't need an athlete's lung-busting strength and endurance to do it. All we need is persistence and willingness to set aside the time necessary to make the ascent. Take as much time as you need because the mountain ain't going nowhere. It is still going to be there. 
The choice is up to each and every one of us. It may not seem so dumb to climb a mountain you've worked around the foot of your whole life, as the poet says, but one thing is for sure. If you never begin to climb, you'll never know the glory of the summit. You'll never know what the view looks like from the top. You'll never get stronger. You'll never get wiser. You'll never get a chance to see what's over the horizon. Climb the mountain. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. O oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is great and greatly to be praised. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. For those who heard it and those who will hear it, that it'll inspire, it'll protect, it'll promote, it will help. It will become active and living in their lives. Let your Holy Spirit do its work for your holy people, for your holy kingdom, Lord God. Let it be a seed that is planted in a great harvest and produce good soil and produces a great harvest, Lord God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media. Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.